It's Barely in Topic, a podcast for Boston Bruins fans by Boston Bruins fans. Welcome to Barely on Topic. Here we are, third episode of the season. Of course, this is a podcast for Boston Bruins fans by Boston Bruins fans. I, I never remember how to say it or nor to say it. So I'm woohoo, I'm, I'm doing it right now. And uh, today it's just two of us because uh, poor Nick had to work regular hours, which kind of stinks. Uh, it's a Sunday, so that really stinks. And then Tim just needed a day to decompress. Had a lot of stuff going on, so uh, so yeah. it's it's just me, VA, and Jeff. Hello, and our assorted animals. So Boomer's here, Mika's there. I'm waiting for an appearance from Tuca. You know, I mean, Mika's like physically here anyway. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> she's physically there. I I'm sitting here actually petting my dog because he's like decided that I I need to do that. So. Uh, that's fine. I mean, eventually I'm just going to probably have to get a big chair that he can, or a bench that he can lay on and, you know, really be part of it. Or maybe I'll have to get a couch and record from there. I don't huh. know. Boomer, what do you think? Bork, 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 bork. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they probably shouldn't have traded Bork. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah's dog is in fact the Swedish chef. <laughs> he loves to bork. Bork, bork, bork. <laughs> uh, he does that all the time. So anyway. <laughs> so the last time we recorded was Halloween, um, which, you know, it's spooky season. I like spooky season, which is now gone, unfortunately. Uh, but here we are in November, which if you have listened in the past, uh, this is my least favorite month. <laughs> I'm not a fan. Nope. No. Nope. November is usually, it feels like a string of gray days that just continue like to said, be said November, is, November and April both really just suck. There's nothing good to say about either month. <laughs> no, no. But anyway, we're, you know, we've managed to have some dry days, not in the last couple of days, but some dry fall days. And, of course, we have hockey. Every once in a while we have hockey. <laughs> I mean, like, I am I want to talk about that for a second now you mention it. I had to apologize to my wife about how awful March and April are going to be. <laughs> <laughs> like, I apologize in advance. I'm just like, ah, so the Bruins play approximately every night those two months, so I'm sorry. Enjoy this life. Enjoy what we got going now while it lasts. <laughs> Sometimes as spouses and partners, we have to make sacrifices. <laughs> it's just what we have to do. Uh, I am in the boat where my husband also watches, so it's not a big deal for us. I, I you see, she used to humor me. Now she just grumbles. I'm like, could you at least not grumble? Like, I mean... <laughs> Like, you knew this about me when we got together. Early on. this It didn't come up right away because we started dating in, like, April. But, like, it became relevant fairly quickly. And then she, like, faked me up by, like, pretend, at least pretending to be interested during the 2019 finals run. Okay. Yeah. I mean, like, which I can't decide if, which I can't decide if that's insulting or, 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 or complimentary. But, you know, either way, there's an argument for both directions on that one. Hmm. <laughs> Seems like Julie's going to have to give us an answer. 
<laughs> we've had this conversation i'm not going to choose i choose not to have it again thank you <laughs> this is very wise this is very wise um if you ever need some dating or or life advice about you know female friends or partners and what you should say go ahead and bring it to me i will tell you exactly what you should and shouldn't say <laughs> like remember how last time we had to tell nick yeah, maybe you should have that conversation in your head and never say it aloud again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> happy wife, happy life, right? <laughs> Something like that. I- I've gotten to the point where it's like I tell my husband there are just some games I'm just not going to watch. And and honestly, I think this is a healthier approach to the Bruins season because basically, you know, for many years we have watched maybe not the full 82 but a lot of the 82. Uh, I'm done watching 70 plus games. (laughs) I think it's totally fine to be a person who is a fan or even a fan who talks about it on a podcast to watch the games that you want to watch. Because otherwise, you're just going to drive yourself crazy. Now, that does mean that sometimes a game that you expected to be terrible is actually pretty great. And that's that's the price that you pay. But, you know, if you're in the Nesson viewing area, you can usually watch the game, it, the, the Bruins and two thing at some point. So um, and I don't always do that. Well, and if I skip a game that proves to be worth it, I can always go back and rewatch it on the Sportsnet app. Ah, see, there you go. There you go. I, but- I, I, I can't think of a single occasion where I've used that opportunity. But it's been there, but it's there. And I know that. <laughs> right, right. Uh, a lot of times I can see things through the gifts that come up on Twitter that tell me what happened in the game. And I'm okay with that. I'm trying this year to be more sane and rational and relaxed. And it's working so far. I just don't feel super stressed out, even though this team is not doing exactly what I was hoping it would do. Why don't we get into that? First of all, going to state that I feel a little bad because I feel like we might have misguided the fans this week on whom to vote for. But then, and again, I think that maybe we didn't because these two games that we watched said a lot about this Bruins team. Which is an interesting outcome for two games that are such team polar opposites. Yes, yes. They were just two days apart. They both involved scores of at least five by the winning team. <laughs> and at least one oh, by the that. losing team. <laughs> um, so let's start off with uh, Detroit. Detroit was the game that won of the voting uh, because basically we were very excited about what we had heard about the Red Wings, uh, that they that they show up to games, that they play very competitive games, and that they not look like the Red Wings of the last few years. So it's like, great, Iserman's doing a good job. And But then Dylan Larkin was on personal leave. Yes. What we learned <laughs> is that the Red Wings are a very different team without their captain, Dylan Larkin. Very different. Um, I mean, like, as in outshot by a margin of over two to one different the Bruins had 37 shots on goal for this game the Red Wings had 15 and poor Swayman it's lucky that he just was still in the game having only seen a total of 15 shots I mean three shots in the first period by the Red Wings 
three. That's not good. It's not how to do things. (laughs) But then again, you know, it's hard to take shots when you've been in the box for about six or seven times. Yes. And this, this game is sort of an interesting story because I'm sure there was a total of, of six goals combined scored. Only one of them wasn't on special teams. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that was late in the fourth, wasn't it? Yeah. It, it, less than five minutes left in the third period. Yeah. So. Uh, right. I feel like we're burying the lead here. Oh, of course. It was, it was Percheron had the rooster trick. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's really funny. <laughs> I struggle with what to know, uh, what to call this, because it, he did have a natural hat trick. A natural hat trick on three consecutive power plays, or not consecutive power plays, but three power play opportunities. He he had the the hat trick, and that was beautiful. And then he did then the he plus added, one. Yeah, and then he got the Texas hat trick. Not a natural Texas hat trick, because that would be a truly horrifying thing to watch if you were a fan of the of the losing team, presumably losing when someone gets a natural Texas hat trick. I think you can reasonably assume you've lost the game, but um. Yeah, rooster trick. No rooster because he's a dignified man. <laughs> <laughs> now, when we used to, um, uh, I used to bowl a lot when I was younger, and uh, we had a, a regular bowling night, and uh, we were always trying to get turkeys. Right? That's that's how you show that you're really getting good at bowling. You get turkeys, not just strikes, turkeys. And then when somebody would go and put the fourth strike on that we used to call it a cape on (laughs) so if someone got the fifth strike is a turducken then i i don't know if we ever got to that because we never called it anything so we but for you know every once in a while or was that before the turducken phenomena became like a thing outside of the deep south (laughs) Uh, no no it, it had happened uh john madden had introduced the world to it Okay. During uh, many of the Thanksgiving Day games that he had done in the past. So, uh, yeah. So, anyway. Yeah. So, of course, it's wonderful to talk about Patrice Bergeron having a hat trick. And it was just so, like, when he got the second power play goal, I was just like, I'm like, don't, don't say it. Don't say it. And then it was like, you're going to get this hat trick. You're going to get it. I know you're going to get it. And it was just, it was amazing. So, so that is the happy thing that happened in this game. I mean, and on top of that, of course, Marshawn had a, had the primary assist on all four goals on all four Bertrand goals. Of course he did. I mean, Bernie started out the night with no goals and then he ended up tied for uh, the team lead at the end of the night. And then Marshy got all those points because who did we all say that was going to be the point leader? Brad, and so far by a, a significant margin. Um, yes, yes. So we we've all smartened. Let's up. just say I'll, I'll point out that only a total of six Bruins. No, nope. Yep, six Bruins have scored more points than Marshawn's. Marshawn's lead in points. Oh wow! Yeah, he leads by by five right now, and uh, and only um, himself, Bergeron, Pasternak, McAvoy, Hall, and Coyle have more than five points. Mm, okay. Well, they they. Team needs to step it up, but that's... Uh, yeah, there's, there's a pretty steep drop-off after Coyle there, yeah. <laughs> we will talk about that in a little bit. So, all of that's great. Um, I just want to talk about that first power play goal. It came from Nemesikov. 
uh, going into the box. But first of all, I, I I lost track of where Nemestikov went. After... It's the second season in Detroit, apparently. Okay. All right. So he was there. And I'm like, I sat there and I went to Glenn and I went, was he? He was at Tampa Bay, right? <laughs> at one point. It's been a long time. And then time. the Rangers, and then the Senators, and then the Avs, briefly. Okay. Well, I was surprised to see him uh, with the with the, the, the big red there. Anyway, I love this penalty. It happened at 10.58 in the first. He was playing without a helmet, and the dingbat is going, you know, it takes him a little bit of time to get back to the bench. And then he decides to get into a shoving match with someone before going to the bench. And it's like, dude, get off the ice. Get off the ice. Get off the ice. You know, this is a penalty. So the the, uh, the officials were like, you in the box. Just go in the box. Right? Never got his helmet. Just went right to the box. Somebody brought him his helmet, I guess. But so it took five five seconds. Five seconds for Bergie to, to capitalize on that. Which is impressive considering a power play. Yeah. Okay, so that must have started. That was, so it started with an offensive draw then because there's no way it was uh, at, at center ice. <laughs> oh, it was just... It, I I don't know where it started. I'm just the situation was dumb. <laughs> this has been a penalty for a couple of years now. Ever since David it was a response Perron, to the. I thought yeah, he ripped off Krug's helmet and then Krug ran down the ice and and absolutely murdered Robert Thomas. Yeah. Yep. Nobody's ever heard from a Rob Thomas ever since. Ever again. No. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but but like, which is too bad because like the the the, the visuals from that entire sequence are stunning, right? Oh yeah. Krug with Krug with his with his sweat soaked flow flow just flying everywhere while laying this guy out. I was <laughs> at that game. <laughs> and loved it. We all went wild because it was crazy. <laughs> And we're all pissed off at Perron, but, you know, he comes down, he trucks Rob Thomas, and it's like, yeah, that's the kind of like, talking That's not the guy that did it, but fucking A. <laughs> Somebody's got to pay. I love that attitude. <laughs> also, destroying um, Perron would have been a would have been an, would have been a rightful a rightful interference penalty. But yeah, <laughs> you know what? I'm OK with anybody destroying him now. That guy's a dick. <laughs> Just truck him. I don't care. Um, yep, then Krug decided to be teammates with this guy instead of, you know, being a Bruin longer. So, <sighs> bye, Tori. I'm really terrified of having a boy now, like at this point. <laughs> Between him and Heinen, and then, you know, I'm, it's, it's, it's upsetting. Oh, oh, okay. I get it. I get it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't mean to, I don't mean to, to dig up old wounds here, you know. Uh, but, the funniest thing I think about the whole sequence was that he got chewed out by a fan in the, while he was in the box. There was a fan who was just like explaining to him, that's why you don't play without a helmet. <laughs> <laughs> it was the funniest thing. <laughs> oh, man. I mean... It must be hilarious to be right down at the penalty box. I mean, it, you're not going to get a good view of the game necessarily, but man, that must be fun. 
Yeah, so the second penalty was uh, Bertuzzi interference. And I was just afraid of Bertuzzi getting close to any of the guys. He's not vaccinated. I just feel like he's just a Petri dish for something. Um, yeah. Um, I just, you know, the guy can't play in Canada, but they made the choice that he can play wherever else. Uh, what a numb nut. Anyway. Uh, and then the third one, oh, poor Moritz Zeider. He was holding somebody. I I love that the German, there are Germans coming into the league now. So it's like Moritz Zeider had like one of the cutest draft pictures ever. He had a bow tie. It was so cute. And of course, um, this past week, we also saw Tim Stutzler, uh with the uh, the Ottawa Senators. And I just want to say... Jack said his name correctly. I mean, the only thing is, it's like, you do have to do a sh with the T, uh, the S and the T. But if you don't do that, it's not the end of the world. You know, I was glad he got the L part right. Like every time I, I look- I'm glad you're pleased he didn't get the spatzel treatment. Yes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I, the next morning in the uh, in in uh, the MFA, I put that down like I can totally see sister calling it stutzel (laughs) (laughs) and she goes stutzel is an underrated dish it should be served far wider than it is (laughs) but anyway um yeah so that was great so then of course you know the red wings had to be allowed to score a goal and of course it's like a rookie who scores it it's all right lucas raymond who's swedish That's a totally Swedish name. Yep, it's super <laughs> Swedish. Up there with Doug Murray. In terms of incredible Swedishnessness. I just love it when it's like there's a name that you just like, you're like, that's not a Swedish name. How did that happen? Well, I mean, like next year, one of the high draft picks out of Finland's going to be, his name is Brad Lambert. <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing Finnish about that name. <laughs> And there's the correct number of vowels, like a normal number of vowels in both parts of that name. So it isn't like Brad. <laughs> I want to see how they they the uh, Finnish uh, hockey writers say his name, Brad Lambert. Like you gotta ask, right? Brad Lambert. Bekarine. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what it is is his dad's a Canadian-born hockey player who's played most of his career in the Liga. Um, his, his uncle is uh, an assistant with the Isles, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's cool. I just, I, I when I looked it up, I was just like, oh, yeah, totally Swedish. Okay. <laughs> then probably the most spectacular goal of the game, honestly. Shorthanded. Mike Riley off of uh, work from Noshik down, down near Swayman gets it to uh, Lazar, who does a lot of the work, and then Boom. Uh, Riley takes the rebound and just knocks it home. It was great. So great. Such great work. They did a lot to haul ass down there. Two on Lazar Noshik is a really great penalty kill pair. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would have expected that Noshik would have been the guy who got it down the ice because he can be pretty fast, but just the work he did in the one end and then the other two just took off with it. It was fantastic. You love to see that. So... I think that was probably, I mean, 
I can't say that I don't love any of Bergie's goals. Whenever he gets a hat trick, it's really special, you know. Uh, and a, a hat trick at home, man, beautiful. And then people were still throwing hats on the ice for the fourth goal. I mean, I think the alarming thing there is people still had hats. Yeah. Or had they bought or had they bought them during secondary mission? <laughs> and they had to, and they had to throw their new hat too. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, but you know, sometimes when you throw a hat from the balcony, it ends up down in in loge, and then it doesn't quite make it onto uh, the see. ice. So then, pro- people probably took the hats that landed at their feet and threw them, or they missed their opportunity the first time. I mean, can you imagine being in the bathroom when the hat trick happened? That would suck. I mean, there's a reason you don't pee during play, but, uh... Mm-hmm. Unless you really need to. Or if that's your thing, I suppose. <laughs> I just want to <laughs> pee during play and come back for the intermission. That's all I want to do. No, no. That, you, no. That's wrong. I mean, that wasn't the joke I was going for, but okay, sure. <laughs> Anyway, uh, let's just move on. By the way, I just want to share this joke with you. Because this morning, remember when I couldn't brain and you said something about CW? And I'm like, what is CW? Right. And of course, it's conventional wisdom. I should have known that. But I was not braining this morning or really now. But you said CW and my husband goes, you know, the CW really is the lowest common denominator network. There are two jokes in there. (laughs) I told him about how I I was like, what is CW? And I I should have known that. I was just relaying the interesting part there. And he came up with that joke. That is a multi-layer joke. Did you get both layers? Because you know what the layer I got? The layer I got was conventional wisdom is lowest common denominator. That's what I got. And then I got the the joke about the CW network being lowest common denominator. (laughs) damn it it was a brilliant multi-layer joke by my husband it wasn't mine so i don't know why i'm getting so upset so yeah so the the bruins won that game pretty handily because um the red wings were a mess without uh larkin there's some promising stuff on that team it ain't there yet though (laughs) no and was anybody expecting them to be there yet no, 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 I mean, don't get me wrong. If you look at the raw standings right now, yeah, they're, they, 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 superficially they appear to be there, but um, that ain't built to last. <laughs> no. Well, look, they have more work. Eiserman's like on the third year of a five-year plan or something, right? Something like that. So it'll it'll work out a little bit better soon. I mean, it'll be – I've never really seen the Red Wings be super – Awesome. I mean, I've seen the Red Wings when they had Babcock, and they were good. But I haven't seen. I mean, them. so they, they, well, yeah, they, they have a lot of good seasons there, but they haven't been awesome since you know, fuck, what, what year would that have been? Two thousand nine. Oh nine. Oh nine was the last appearance there. Yeah, when they lost to the Pens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was that when Lidstrom retired? No, Lidstrom retired some years later. Oh, okay. Because it was after that was the year that he got up that he got his last Norris that was not deserved at all. Um, you want a Norris with a not just a I mean plus minus is plus minus bottom lines. You shouldn't be wearing a Norris if you're a minus on the season. No, no, no. 
It's like, no, it's like, clearly you are not the best defender if that was possible. Regardless whether this stat itself means anything, it tells you that much. You were not the best defenseman in the league. Yeah, th- that's what I've been trying to say is that plus minus, I feel like, is valid for defensemen. It at least tells to you. To an extent, like, you know, high level. Take your, you can't take the number itself at face value, but if someone's a minus on the season, that's not good. No, no. <laughs> um, y- yeah, so, so basically... Individual game, individual game plus minus, borderline meaningless. Over the season, though, that's a pattern. <laughs> yeah. I will say, though, if you use it as something to gauge someone's play as if, like, oh, he's a minus in this game... Let's take a look at the the goals against and see what exactly happened. <laughs> well, exactly. It's like, was he actually involved in what made this happen? Or was he like caught on the wrong side of a bad line change? And therefore, he got the minus, even though he had no opportunity to be part of the play, for example. Right. <laughs> bad line changes will kill you. They will kill you. Well, and then that's the big place where, where plus minus falls apart, right? Because the guy that fucks up the line change is probably the one that won't get the minus because he'll be off the ice by the time it goes in. <laughs> but the guy that got, you know, forced into an unwinnable situation, they're going to be minus on that goal. Yeah. And, you know, and another thing, too, is like when you've been out there for a long time and you can't change out. Oh, man. I mean, you might as well just rack up that minus right there. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) So long story short, the Bruins drubbed a team that, of course, they did. That, of course, they'll beat. But you'll never believe what happened next. (laughs) Are we clickbait now? (laughs) What happened next is, well... A team that they needed to at least appear competitive against beat them like a drum. (laughs) I was so excited for this game. I really was. I mean, first of all, it's the first meeting of the season between the Bruins and the Maple Leafs. So it's like, it's hard not to be excited about that, right? The first game against them in an extraordinarily long time because of the pandemic. Exactly. Exactly. Oh my God. I forgot. (laughs) Somehow or another, I forgot they didn't play each other last year. So it's been the first meeting in like over a year and a half, probably closer to two years in a way. So it's like, of course I'm excited about that. Now the Pride's home opener was at that same time. Um, we and we were supposed to go to that, but we had uh, a family funeral. We had to attend that day, so we were both a little drained. So, but I'm still excited when I got home. Like, okay, I got this game, and I'll check in on the Pride game because the Pride, like all of P H F games, <laughs> whatever their garbled um, their, their garbled acronym is this week. <laughs> I think it's P H F. It's taking me a while to get used to that. But anyway, your Boston Pride are uh, three and O so far, and they play another game today. But uh, anyway, they uh, they they were playing that that home opener. We didn't get to go uh, and they they won their game. So but anyway, getting back to the Bruins, excited about the Maple Leafs and um then uh, the Bruins laid a big fat egg after like, the first period. Like they outshot them, 
but like um, score effects are a thing. And when you're getting drubbed like this, yeah, of course you're out shooting the other team. Yeah. Like if you're a good team that has a hope of catching up, I mean. Right. Um, but just, just, oh God. It, it was a messy game for the Bruins. Aside from Hall's power play goal in the first period, which was off of a muzzin delay of game, they just found a way to attack the Bruins and make the Bruins make mistakes, uh, have the Bruins defeat themselves, essentially. I mean, here's the thing about how they did it is um, all the other good teams that have handed the Bruins ass to them have beat them the exact same way. The book is out on this team. That's not good. But like, can you tell me if the, is there really anything materially different apart from in how the Leafs beat the Bruins compared to how the Oilers beat the Bruins or the Canes beat the Bruins or the or, or the Fancy Cats beat the Bruins? Apart from the fact that the Bruins the Bruins were at least in a couple of those games, they weren't even in this one. But methodologically, was there any difference? No. Verbatim, the exact same playbook, which is alarming because I'm like. Cassidy's a good coach, but like, if this is why you're losing, you know, it's it's interesting because we were talking about Cassidy today. I love Cassidy. I love his enthusiasm. I love that he has wanted to coach this team, and he continues to want to coach this team. However, there are times where I just sit there and think that he does not allow things to develop long enough, and he, he's too jumpy. Yeah, he just mixes everything up very quickly. So you got to let some things develop a little bit more. And and don't get me wrong. You can lose to the Leafs early in the season and still have a fine season. But you're going to have to change some things. But especially if it's you've seen the exact same flaw that every good team. And which, don't get me wrong. You have to be a good team to do it. You have to have the personnel to be able to exploit this flaw of the Bruins. Yes. Because the Bruins are winning most of their games against the teams that they need to be beating. Right. They are also losing every game against a, against the teams that they need to show that they can at least hang with. Yeah, that's a huge problem. So what it is, it's a person, basically my get, my read on is like every, okay, the team, probably the whole league knows exactly how to beat Boston. There's just only so many teams that have, the, that have the people. Mm -hmm. And when we see it, which is exactly what we saw, you know, with Tampa and with the Isles in the last two playoffs. They see the problem and just take them apart because they're capable. I mean, Isles had some advantage, had some, you know, um, uh, force multipliers in the form of, in the form of injuries, but any form of injuries in Boston, but this is what this team is. And with all, and with as many new personnel, it's the exact same flaw, except everyone's figured out, figured it out now, as opposed to a couple of opponents, which is alarming. Right. The only thing you can do, and I don't want to say it because I don't actually want Cassidy fired, but what the fuck else do you do? The whole team gets caught pinning. What it is is all five men on the ice pinch. Yep. And they and they're fast enough in large part to get behind them. They don't give up a ton of where, where, where the where the puck handler is between is between the entire team and the and the goaltender. They keep up, right? But a team with players that are talented enough and fast enough to take a to bolt with it can 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 exploit these pinches. And then, what the 
team's struggling with particularly right now is putting it back together when this happens. The goaltender yeah. might block the breakaway, but then the chaos that ensues, the, goal, the defense doesn't get their ship back together. Because that's what's happening, right? They're, we're not giving up on, giving up these breakaways by what I started out saying. We're giving up the chaos after. Right, right. The breakaway is not both, really the problem both, itself. The goalies both have bad rebound control. Both of them. And the defense isn't setting up right. This, this defensive group is performing worse than it is on paper, and it wasn't outstanding on paper. Yeah. I can understand why they went and got somebody like Forbert. But I also don't know if it made a whole lot of sense to get somebody like Forbert. Certainly not at that contract. I mean, the the bigger problem, and I think this is true, this is trickling upstream. I'll get to it. I'm going to say things that may upset you, but I'm going to justify them. I swear, I promise. Okay. I took my love meds last night. <laughs> love Connor. Okay, so start off. Love Connor Clifton, really do. But Cliffy Hockey giveth, and Cliffy Hockey take Hockey take it away. And right now, it is only taking away. Yeah, he's having a rough season. He's demon, despite it, regardless of how fantastic he was in the playoffs last year. And he was, it was a revelation. But he had also like, had some time off. Yeah. He's not an every night player. And I think, and this is having an array of, uh, of, tri- of trickle up problems. They didn't sign Forbort to be playing, playing with Connor Clifton. And it shows when they do. Mm-hmm. Now, whether or not they should have, thought about this this part a bit more is like honestly Forbort shouldn't be playing higher in the lineup either which is what there this case in point right here is why in a vacuum on its own the Forbort signing was a bad idea I think largely because they were relying on him either being what he's not or having to play with Clifton yeah if Clifton's having a hard time I understand why you'd want to have somebody who's a little bit more defensively sound with him but Kevin Miller's gone and Forbort's not Kevin Miller. Exactly. I don't really have any complaints about Derek Forbort. He's as advertised. He's been pretty fucking good on the penalty kill. Between him and between him and Carlo, they got the wingspan to cross the fucking ice. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, he he's filling that he's filling that Kevin Miller that Kevin Miller and Jeremy Lozon role, and before them, Zidane Chara role on the PK, fantastically. Right. Right. But you need him with the right partner, and the problem is, is all of our is either you're playing him too many. The only right partner on the right side for him plays far too many minutes that are far too difficult for Fourport. Yeah, because the other guys that would pair well with him are both lefties, like himself. Um. So, and if you played him alongside. Carlo, you run the risk of not being able to move the puck up the ice, right? Well, that's you may never get any pucks in the back of the net with that with that pair on the ice, but you're also never getting out of your own fucking zone. And incidentally, this is the part that I said might upset you. Okay. Carlo's not having a great start to the season. Oh no, he's having a terrible. Start. And I think a non-trivial portion of that is the fact that really is that behind him there is no one. He's probably playing more minutes than he should be. Having to cover, you know, the third pairing, right? Right D's just not doing their part. And again, love Connor Clifton, and there's no one behind him pushing for it because the right D behind him are Brady Lyle and Victor Berglund, the latter of which has yet, to, I think, has yet to play a game for Providence. He might have, or he might have recently on account of 
Oh, damn it. My, my page for that crashed. He's been injured, right? So he had a... Uh, nope, he's yet to play a game for Providence. And in fact, he's in Maine right now. So... And he's yet to play a game in Maine as well. <laughs> now, see, I was willing to blame Carla's poor start on baby Wren's sleeping patterns. <laughs> I mean, that's probably a factor too. But I do think that there's a broad component of, you know... Player, if you don't have the depth behind a player, it's kind of hard to expect them to play up to their caliber. Right, because you're overusing them. You're not using them in the way that you should be using them. So, and like, what else are you going to do? Like, John Moore has been cromulent in Providence, which is not really what you want to see for a guy you're still paying. Paying two and a quarter for another year. Uh, mm-hmm. Likewise, Wagner has been only cromulent in Providence as well, which is another big fucking red flag. But anyway, I, then like, I saw a video of Chris <laughs> Wagner the other day, and he just looks so sad. So well, that's the wrong response when you're sent down, brother. Uh, that is the wrong fucking response. You should be happy you're getting paid your full amount of money, and you get to play on the weekends. And playing in a league where he should be getting to put on a fucking show, but he's not. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway. Yeah, so, like, it sort of brings the question, is, like, is 3 right D the biggest problem? And what do you do about it? Because, like, there's there's one other hole that will not be cheap to, to fill. Whether or not... I mean, I mean, also, there's the question about whether it's even worth filling the holes on this team. I'm uh, I'm, I'm skeptical on that point. I feel like if we knew exactly what Bergy was going to do for next season, that would be your answer. That's a fair point because if you have the opportunity of bringing Hurdle in and then signing him, if you know that Bergy was going to retire, for example, mm-hmm. then you pay the fucking cost and you just do it, right? Right. But I also look at it like. But if he's got to come back, okay, maybe you do use that for the the right D. I don't know. I don't know either. This team doesn't have it. Let's just be very fucking blunt. Although, yes, it, although I gotta tell you, not that I want to think about Bergie retiring. We don't talk about that, right? We're just, we have to have it in our minds, but we're not going to really talk about that. Yeah, it informs how we talk about other things. That's all. <laughs> but it took me until a couple weeks ago to realize that Sasha Barkov was re-signed already. And it broke my heart. <laughs> he, and, he and, in a different way, Phil Dano are the only Berkey Ber- clones in the league, really. And like in very different ways. Oh, my God. When I found that out, because I had been sitting there thinking in my mind, I'm like, you know, if if... If the thing we don't want to talk about happens, you know, Barkov wasn't signed at a certain point, but apparently he got signed like just a couple of days before or something. And um, I was just like, yeah. I was heartbroken. I just really was because I was like, Barkov seems like he'd be a fun guy to have on the team. You know what I mean? And because he's funny in a very Finnish way. And so that's not happening. And that's fine. I love Bergie. We don't talk about the other thing. But basically, yeah, we have to think about what the team does based on what he decides to do. Um, because it's no longer a matter of like, we have to do this for for Bergie and Krejci and Marshy, you know, um, because Krejci's gone. And oh, God, 
I'd like to think that things would be a lot different if Krejci were still here. I think Krejci being there would make a would, would would be reflected in Hall and Smith's performances, both of which are not helping. I don't think either of them are playing that badly, although on paper it looks like Smith's fucking calamity. Although again, Smith has always been as advertised. He's he's streaky. Give him time. He'll he'll work out that twenty goals over the season. He's just not happening right now. But again, <laughs> it's another thing where it's like, okay, are we playing Hall and Coyle and Smith, or are we playing Hall and Coyle and Felino? What are we doing? Okay, can we make up our minds? Can we just stick? I I know injuries happen. Don't get me wrong. Uh, you know, but can can we decide who we're going to have as a second line for right now? Let's try it for more than like a game or two. All parties are in the ice. Let's just fucking commit. Right. So it's like. And again, like Coyle is not. I, I still think Smith is the right counterpart, counter wing to Hall based on the kind of player Hall is. Hall's not a goal scorer. You need Smith there to be your shooter. Hall's a fantastic playmaker. There have been moments where Coyle has stepped up and there are moments where you don't even notice he's on the ice. Charlie Coyle giveth, Charlie Coyle taketh away. This is what he's always been. And which is why like having him as part of your succession plan is like, well, no, he's not a real succession plan. When you've got Berge and Krejci, he, what he is, is the guy that continues centering the team while it's in the dark, while it's in the dark years that follow their exits. Yeah. I mean, like, and someone's got to do it. Don't get me wrong, but like the fact of the matter is, is now he's being expected to be higher up in the lineup during the during the transition period from the light and the dark. And Charlie Coyle doesn't strike me as a man as a man built for the twilight, so to speak, to be glib. <laughs> well, first of all, he's not sparkly, nor is he. <laughs> not um. what I was going for, but okay, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, by the way, I've never seen nor read any of the Twilight books. Uh, the the most I've seen of the Twilight movies was when I watched uh, Trixie and Katja like to watch on Netflix, uh, Netflix on, on YouTube, which are like 20 minute segments where drag queens talk about movies. That's about all I've seen of the movie. And you know what? That's fine. That's all I need to see of that movie. Anyway, long story short, I think this team's dead. It just doesn't know it yet. And there will be moments of the season that are worth watching, and I absolutely think they'll make the playoffs. Don't get me wrong. They're they're comfortably into the mushy middle. The, the top end of the mushy middle. Mm. But the mushy middle nonetheless. You should never have let the Florida Panthers leapfrog you by being able to make all of the moves that they made in the last year. This team had the, the cap space. They could have been the one to go for Sam Reinhardt. For example, like, don't get me wrong. Some of the, some of their other moves that have really worked out for that team are ones you couldn't really see coming. Like Sam Bennett turning out to actually be good because he'd never shown any evidence to support that when he was in Calgary. Likewise, Brandon Montour. Yeah. I, I, I feel like there's something about your scouting uh, with the the Panthers that is really great, and you somehow or another managed to swindle these other say, teams. Bill Zito just seems to know things, and he was an agent before he was Jarmo's AGM. Interesting. Incidentally, yeah. 
And it's not a. I mean, people have taken that path before, but I can't think of. But, but not too many recently. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um. So. So basically, yeah. That's the problem. Is um. You know, the Tampa Bay Lightning get to stay whoever they are. I haven't paid any attention to them. The Leafs have made all of these moves that in this one game it it proved to to work out. Not not moves, but all the stuff that they've done in the last few years. Like they, it's like the Leafs like won their their cup run with this game because they beat the Bruins so badly. But again, it's really making the Bruins beat themselves. It's it's really it's humiliating um, to see that. But basically, if you don't, if you got to be more cutthroat, uh, Don Sweeney. That you know. I feel like, you know, it's like I was I felt a little bit better after seeing the the new moves, the new players in the preseason, but it hasn't panned out to the regular season and it's very very frustrating to me. How has been the real like just like oh god cuz how looked great in preseason. Like that he looked did. Re- that looked a lot of promise. The how how the seemed to have seemed to click right away. Mhm. Did how finally get his like first goal like last yesterday? Yesterday? Yeah. Yep. Um, his first goal and second point. That's not great. But then again, he's also a victim of not having a, st- a steady line as well. Other than Felina getting injured, Felina getting injured that early has not helped. Yes. Yeah. Plus this now this new, <laughs> the new boss, same as the old boss, the eternal chaos in the middle six right wing. Like part of that, part of that makes me wonder: is like, is, is, is it just muscle memory for Kurt, for, for Cassidy at this point, having to have having to line, having to scramble the, the second, the second and third line right wings? Like, I mean, maybe again, he's got the personnel; he shouldn't have to now. Jesus Christ! It's, Every year, I, I I didn't come into this podcast expecting advocation, advocating for Cassidy's firing, but now I've convinced myself. I well. No, I, I just want to. I want to go over a brief history of us. Okay, we. I feel like are we fucking bad luck? Are we just fucking bad luck? The Bruins, the closest they made was like that 2018, 2019 year, which was magical, and and they couldn't pull it off. And I just feel like every year we podcast, we go through the dark ages. We see the light. We go back into the dark ages. What the fuck? Anyway, every year it's like it's like a logic puzzle that we're trying to sur- uh, solve for, you know, uh, two left wing, three C, three R W. I mean, what? You know, there was a period of time where he had goalie, and then that's gone. For the record, <laughs> I'm not sure we've solved goalie at all, and I don't know if I want to grasp back. I know he's practicing at Warrior. He's hoping to be on Team Finland in uh, in the Olympics, but I don't know if I want Tuka back because I don't want all of the hullabaloo surrounding him. No, but on the other hand, he, I know who he is and what kind of goalie he is. He'd also be here's the things he'd be replacing the guy that's performing slightly better. And Olmark? No, because well, he, he um, wouldn't be replacing Olmark. He'd be replacing Swayman because Swayman can get shipped, can, send, can get sent to Providence, that's right? right? And there's that's right. genuinely no scenario that he crosses the um, uh, crosses the way the, the um, uh, waiver eligibility line this season. So, and while I have to check here, but 
Yeah, and they started the same number of games. Swayman's got the edge, slightly better numbers otherwise, and just slightly better numbers, but they're not great shakes either. He's young. He's excusable. I'll mark less so. I don't want Swayman to turn into a Carter Hart situation. I don't think he will. I think he's a little mentally sounder. If I, Nothing against Carter Hart. I just feel like in Carter Hart, they've mismanaged him down in Philly. And Carter Hart's doing better ish this season i think actually don't quote me on that i should probably check before i say things like that because i don't know um all i know is that last year he was terribly mismanaged and that kid he had to sit out some games because he was just like mentally fried um and like the sophomore and that wasn't even a sophomore slump that was his third season that was his third season right so it's (laughs) but he's still young he's still young yeah i mean you, you can be in your third season and be like 22 (laughs) <laughs> or 21. Okay, so yeah, he's doing well for himself. He's his 4-3 record, but he's got a save percentage of 931 this season. So he's he's better. Mm-hmm. His win-loss record doesn't really reflect that. It doesn't match that save percentage at all, but whatever, okay. Well, what it just means is that his team's not performing as well in front of him. Yeah. So it's like, he's doing the saves he needs to do. They're just not putting the offense out in front of him. Anyway, that 931 blows our goaltenders out of the water. Again, um... Our better one is only running a 9.11 right now. Oh, man. And Olmark is a 9.03. They're going to make me want Tuca to come back. I, I mean, I I want to say this. I love Tuca. I, everybody knows I love Tuca. I love Tuca. But I just, it's been kind of nice to not have the, you know, Tuka, trade Tuca. Tuca's playing like shit. Tuca this, Tuca that, whatever. You know what I mean? Well, and that's been kind of nice because a lot of the shriekers don't really are, are finding themselves without their usual scapegoats, right? Because their scapegoats have been Rask or Krug or Krejci, which that last one never made any sense. Made even less sense to me than the other ones. But and you can tell because they they, they can't make up their mind. And <laughs> I got I got something for you. The whole fucking team except for the top line. How about McAvoy. that? Yeah. Yeah. And even McAvoy's been doing some weird blown coverage moves. Like some of these some of these off catastrophic goals have been on him too. <laughs> Can he fucking clone himself? It's See? not his fault there's only one of him. Right. Well, no, I'm not saying that there's any <laughs> that there's any fault here except that, you know, he can only do what he can do. He he is not the only person on the ice. He's not the only defenseman usually. Usually. I mean, in in some situations he is. But usually he's not. So basically, I'm not going to sit there. Okay, so the whole top line and Charlie McAvoy, we're not going to blame anything on them. I mean, Pasta's having a slow start. Marshy's but he's just, still a point a game. Okay, wow. Marshy, you know, you had an ability to be like 164 points. I mean, 164 goals this year. What the hell, Marshy? Why have you fallen? No, no, I'm not complaining in reality. No, Marshy's doing what Marshy does. And Berkey is, he's trying to get this team to do shit. And it's really hard. But he's managing to do his, his stuff quietly offensively. So, so basically. streaming. Oh. Oh, she's making sounds. <laughs> Each one comes with a, with a full body shake too. Of late, she's been a big dreamer. There was a night a couple of days ago where, where it was like we went on for like 15, 20 minutes. Like we straight up stopped. We straight up paused the the uh, the, the show we were watching just to you know watch the dog. 
love Sorry. It. The only other player I would say is probably doing their part would be Charlie Coyle because honestly, okay, maybe you know, six and tw- three, three and six and twelve is not really good enough as a three, as a two C. But like he's Charlie Coyle. What more do you expect from him? He's being the best Charlie Coyle he can be. <laughs> All right, I will give you that. <laughs> I will give you that. But basically, the whole team, um, the the game against the Red Wings showed you an anomaly. That team is not the team. Well, I mean, it, it really wasn't the team. It was Bergy. It was uh, Bergy yeah. and, and the fourth and line. Bergy, Marshy, the fourth line. Managed to get a goal out of that. You know, I'm, I'm just sitting here and I'm just like, if you're thinking that this Bruins team is performing, eh, they're okay. No, they're not. It's it's a whole team-wide thing. So is it the team members themselves? Is it the coaching? I don't know. They don't have much time to figure this out, though. Because basically, once you get to the quarter mark of the season, you pretty know, much know what team you have. And you hope that they go on a, a late run. That's what you hope. Yeah. So in, like right now, so right now on TSN's um, uh, um, uh, standards chart, which I'll point out, doesn't use points percentage at all. It doesn't even show it as opposed to the NHL one. But the NHL website's obnoxious. Bruins. Boston's are Boston's currently um, uh, fifth in the division, fourteen points in twelve games, which isn't great. They're seven mm-hmm. five and zero. Oh. Again, they're they're when they're losing, they're losing outright, which is bad. Yep. With that score, uh, I mean, right now there's a non-zero chance they could even. There's the, that only three teams from the Atlantic will make the playoffs. The way things are trending right now in the Metro. Yeah, the Metro's got some strong stuff, for sure. Like you could easily see this team end up being, you know, a lose on the last day. Like in 2015 and 16. Oh god, that was awful. Or they could make the playoffs and get swept in the first round. Unless they play the Leafs. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they, they they haven't. They've won the only game they've won against a contender was a shootout against the Cats. Right after they'd parted, they, they, they'd parted ways with their head coach, and it took a shootout and. Charlie Coyle's shootout superpower, which is exactly the same shot every time and should be defendable because it's the only one he's got. But apparently it can't be defended. <laughs> nope, it cannot. Nope. He he had a great game that game. He got, had yeah. an additional goal. So it was like the Charlie Coyle show. Thank you, yeah. everybody, for showing up. But like ultimately, you look at you're looking at, at November so far as like yeah they 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 shelled the uh, the Red Wings they, they beat the Senators and they beat the Devils but they also just like lost in very similar fashion both Toronto and Edmonton again again this is clearly a systems thing like personnel are a factor they always are right but mm-hmm. dare I say it I'm going to boldly predict that it's only fifty percent chance Cassidy survives the month. Ooh boy. Boy, Sweeney has to be seeing what we're seeing here. Yeah. And what else do you do? And we're also we're, we're teaming a team whose cores and in, in, in its death throes during ages. That's like a prime team for firing the coaches as deck chairs as, as rearranging the deck chairs. Mm-hmm. Well, the only reason why he think I think he's not going to do that is one. There's no Super Bowl parade. <laughs> I'm sorry. I cannot ever forgive Don Sweeney for that move. I, I just felt like that was just the cowardly thing to do was to fire Claude Julian during the Super Bowl. You should have done it a month earlier. You coward. Okay. 
Two, there isn't going to be a Super Bowl parade in New England this year. I mean, they're, they're doing better than they had been. I think that Mac Jones is finding rhythm and the defense is I mean, getting more it confident. It could be worse. It could be my parents trying to watch Giants games right now. That's not going well for them. <laughs> the Giants like, 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 they, they know I don't care, and it still came up when I was on the phone with them yesterday. <laughs> Uh, you know the- my dad's so furious, but he's infuriated because they're losing all, all their games. At least on paper, are close because they're just like you know disintegrating at the end and losing losing winnable games. It's like, yeah, I hear you, Dad. It's a uh, it's how sports fandom goes when your you know team all time quarterback retires and they don't really have a succession plan among other problems. <laughs> and not to mention that that guy was streaky at best anyway. Okay, well, yes. I-, I don't want to go into a full dissertation here on the new york giants like seriously if i were going to write a phd thing it would probably be something about the nfl because i feel like i know a lot of stuff and i know and it's easy to research and stuff whatever my my point is is that i feel i know but as a new england patriots fan it's been a long time since we felt like this so it's okay we should go through this we should go through this but right now i'm reading a book called uh, how to how to love sports when they don't love you back. Right. Uh, by, I think that's what it's called by Jessica Luther and Kavitha Davidson, two women who are writing about all sorts of issues. They don't solve the issues, but they basically give you some like ways to kind of understand that other people feel the same way and other talking points about these issues. So um, I just got, I think I just finished the one about, you know, what do you do when you hate the owner? Oh, no, no, no. I had the, what do you, uh, you know, when you're a sports fan and uh, you have to pay for a stadium you didn't want. Yeah. So it's an interesting book. Um, It's hard to get in print if you have, if you want to read this, if you're like me and you're struggling with fandom in lots of different ways, pick it up on Kindle. There's a lot of reasons to be struggling with that right now, pretty much across the board. Oh, yes. There's some more stuff I want to talk to you about. I'm not sure it'll go into this episode, but now I feel like I'm building another episode full of these Mm -hmm. issues. And I would love to talk to you about that because I think you and I will have some interesting things to say. Um, But getting back to the thing, (laughs) I think that Cassidy survives the month. I don't know if he survives the year, the calendar year, because we're you're nearing that and but if he does survive the calendar year i don't think he gets fired in the season okay now that i'm actually looking at the schedules like you know you're right he probably does survive the month there aren't that many more games right also like montreal philly calgary buffalo rangers vancouver detroit it's not not exactly there's there's some wins in that group yeah um i'm gonna pencil in at least one prominent loss that's probably on against calgary there but uh (laughs) <laughs> the Rangers will be a tough game. Yeah, likewise Philly. Yeah. The others. Eh. <laughs> is the Philly game here or is it in Philly? It's in Philly. It's a gritty game. Oh yay! <laughs> <laughs> That's about all I get excited about. First of all, I just want. Let me just read this because um, we feel seen here. Because you know how we don't want to watch that. We don't want to watch that shit anymore because we we did it last year ty anderson wrote yesterday no yeah yesterday 
2021 season problems. I could probably go at least a full year without seeing the Devils, Islanders, Rangers, Sabres, Flyers, Penguins, and Capitals and be totally cool with it. Yes. Sames, Sames, Sames. In fact, it was Jeff who pointed that out to us and shared it with us yesterday because I did not see it. But, yep, I look, I'll anytime I get a chance to see Philly, and it'll be the Philly broadcast, so uh, so maybe I'll see Gritty. So that's what I would be watching for. I love seeing Gritty. I do. We didn't even really talk about the, the Toronto game. It was bad. Matthews and Tavares. Matthews and Tavares both had two goals. What else do you need to know? Marner was another one. So they have like three people that score on that team. There you go. Pretty much, yeah. That that was it. Um, and you know when you when you cause penalties uh, by high sticking two high stickings in a row, of course they're going to scare uh, scare uh, score on you, you dicks, you dummies. What a dumb team. Anyway, on the Cassidy thing, I do think if Sweeney's going to do it, it needs to be soon because he needs time to know if the team's any good. Despite otherwise, he needs time to know whether he should do anything at the deadline. Mm. Mm. That's why I don't like late February coach firings. Oh, late February are off the table. Like late, even late January, though, it's just like I can't assess that. Also, this year you can't assess anything late February because then there's no games. No, no late January because there's no games in fucking February. <laughs> the year that Julian got fired was that the year of the Winter Classic or was that the following year? That was between Winter Classics. Okay, I was just wondering. Anyway, let's slip over into some news. There's not a lot of news. So Felino finally returned to the lineup on uh, on the 11th and Bleed did as well. But they lost Frederick. Uh, who's now officially on IR. So he's going to be, be uh, out for a bit. Yeah, that was probably a concussion, right? Yeah. He, uh, that, that whole sequence was insane. I mean, it was a gorgeous stretch pass from... Uh, from Charlie McAvoy, but uh, basically he he met the immovable object of Josh Brown and boom. Uh, right at the red line, the center line. So uh, I hope he recovers well. Uh, I miss his insanity, but, you know, it'll be all right. Riley's not playing today. Is he injured or is that a, is that a scratch? I think it's a scratch because uh, okay. from what I saw, Zaboral's staying in. It could have been. It, it could also be that Zaboral's working hard and he gives him those opportunities. But Riley's out, which I'm a little afraid of. But then again, they're playing the Habs, so I don't know. I don't know how to fall on that one. Oscar Steen is in because that's excited out. about because uh, Steen's been on fucking fire. Yes, um, and and thanks to Tim's notes, we're gonna get into that in a little bit. Oh, I have no further notes there. Oh, Colby Cave. They had the Colby Cave tribute on the 11th, uh, which um, just it's it's still heartbreaking. It really is. Just to, the whole situation. He had just gotten married. They weren't even married a year, you know, and his wife is just bravely going on, carrying on, you know, the light of of Colby Cave. He might not have been a player that we saw much, of and then you know he was lost on waivers to Edmonton 
But he was a really dear part of the franchise. You could just see in the way that, especially like, uh, I mean, when she hugged Bergie. After, that was a long hug. It was a very I mean, like yeah. I mean, if you get the chance to hug Berkey, you hold on as long as he allows you. But um, yeah, regardless yeah. of circumstances, but still, yes. Berkey's one of those guys who knows how to say the right things at the right time. So I imagine mm-hmm. that he was talking to her and you know saying something really wonderful. Her Instagram posts about the that that look that that look she and Marshawn Marshawn exchanged. Mm-hmm. Yeah, about how um, uh, they had spent their first Thanksgiving with Marshy uh, and his wife and family. And you could tell when she went in for the hug there, he was so upset. He looked so upset there that um, that there was something between them. You could tell. You could tell from the way that they were looking at each other that, you know, they had spent some special time together and um it's you know it's the first time they've seen each other since colby passed because he of course passed away in the worst way oh like like what was it was it like a month and a half into the pause so like early early in the in the uh in the pandemic she couldn't even be in the hospital with him and you know they had to beg to be in at the end um it's just so sad i mean I got to tell you, uh, if I were in that situation, I would do everything I could to be in there. I don't care if I'm going to get some kind of disease or not. Um, although they were trying to keep disease out, I guess. But yeah, so um, it's just it's so sad to think of all of that. She's just um, she's it, it, she's got the support of the Bruins organization, probably Oilers as well. So. So that's wonderful, but oh man, it's got to hurt. Remember, she and um, uh, DeBrusque—he he and DeBrusque were teammates in the in the dub too, right? Oh, I didn't know that. But she, they lived with Matt Grizzlick down in, in uh, Providence. Ah, <laughs> so well, good. yeah, because Cave would have made the jump before uh, DeBrusque did. Yeah, yeah. So she, they lived together down there, you know. And Zach Senishin is another uh, player that uh, she's really close with. And that was a big thing on the P Bruins appearance the next night. Exactly. Of course, then he went, 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 and then of course he went beast mode that night too, which is, you know, nice to see it because he's had a, from what I've little, I've seen and from clips, it's kind of appears that he's, he's having the season of a player that realizes his window's gone. (laughs) It's sad, but that, that happens to so many players. So, yeah, so he had a hat trick that night, which is uh, amazing. Our hearts go out to Emily Cave, of course, and uh, it was beautiful to see the two teams come um, around her. And I, I really hope that they continue to have those remembrances for him in the future. It would be nice when the two teams meet up that they, they continue to do that. Because, of course, there is the Colby Cave Foundation, which is uh, – uh, or Memorial Foundation that is to spread his message of you – know, uh, basically kids being able to play sports so um, and be supported in that so <clears throat> so that'll be good I could be totally getting all that wrong but she does have a foundation so I, I would like it to be just an annual thing not that I want to see her be sad all the time because she will someday you know she she will have good days and she will eventually 
for lack of a better word, move through and on. So, but this is, this is all very nice, touching tributes and beautiful. And uh, with that, I think we'll switch over to P. Bruins news because Tim typed up some stuff and I somehow or another screenshotted and printed it because my dog did not want me to use my right hand to type uh, to uh, print anything out. He needed his tummy rubbed. Sorry. All right. So Tim left us some notes about the Providence Bruins. Uh, the Providence Bruins are now three one and one since our last recording, which was Halloween two weeks ago and five, four, two and one 13 points overall. Now, remember, if they count shoot off, uh, shootout wins as different for whatever reason. Okay. Or shootouts as different. So they're fourth place in the uh, Atlantic Division. And so he highlighted a few players who are having good seasons or good weeks or good fortnights, I guess we'll say. Some that aren't. And some surprises. So that's really, that's good. So Oscar Steen, the, the call up for tonight's game against the Habs. Uh, he's had five goals, five assists for 10 points in seven games. That's, that's good. It's more than a point a game. Um, um, in, in a system that only has, um, why, why do you keep doing this? The elite prospects, God damn it. In a, uh, for a system that only has, um, five players that are in prospects that are at least a point a game in their, in their respective leagues. Um, somehow John Beecher is one of them, which is fun. Um, <laughs> Oscar Steen leads the way with 1.43 game points per game in the AHL so Woo-hoo! far this season. <laughs> Good. That's a lot. It is. So then we have Stephen Fogarty, who I, I have to admit, I don't really know who this guy is. AHL filler. Okay. Four goals, five assists for nine points in 12 games. Not bad. That's pretty good. Not quite a, a point a game, but still good. So Jesper Froden, the Swedish guy who came over, two goals, seven assists, wow, for nine points in 12 games. And he says that Froden's a fun player to watch because Tim watches these games. So that's how. Holy crap, going down the list, it falls off a cliff from there. (laughs) Well, I mean, Jack Ashan has one goal, six assists for seven points in 12 games. And Tim says, he's turned into my favorite player. I haven't seen much in terms of time on ice reports, but he's seemingly always out there. Awesome player. Yeah, we, we kind of knew that Tim was going to like him. I mean, there's so much you can name with, do with that name for puns. I can't think of any off the top of my head. But I mean, you're not Tim, so of course not. <laughs> no, no, I'm not Tim. I come up with a pun maybe one in a hundred times that Tim does. So, um, And Zach Zanishin had a hat trick on Friday night. He has four goals and two assists for six points in 12 games. And he finally looks good this season. That is Tim's point there. Now, Laukos had a pretty slow start, start too. Like there was big things expected for for Jakob Lauko, right? Mm-hmm. And he's only two, five, and seven on, on in twelve right now, which is not awesome for a guy that was supposed to be probably our best prospect in Providence. Yeah, do you feel like that injury from a couple of seasons ago has really? I mean, affected but him? he went off last. He went off last year, though. He played like three teams last year. Also that. Or they, they might not. Have, I think they played. No, three. no, because they, they the only three because they never ended up playing Utica. Yeah. Mm, okay. All right. Well, 
Last year was an outlier. We know that. <laughs> okay, so uh, Kyle Kaiser, who is, uh, you know, somebody that, that I know that Tim had great hopes for, has really been up and down. He has spurts of being excellent, followed by spurts of being meh. He is 2-3-3 three, and three in eight games with a 2.79 GAA, not good, and a .903 save percentage. Uh, yeah, that's that's. This nice. is like this is his first real AHL season too, mm-hmm. right? He played some games last year, but it's just not been his thing yet. So this year he's been given the full reins, basically, because Vladar or Vladash is gone, uh, and Swayman's up with the the big club. So and uh, Grosnick got injured early, so he's only played one game, and so it's been a a meat grinder of um uh, for for, for um, uh, his for his backup a mix of. Callum Booth, and then various AHL, ECHL contractees in the form of John Gillies and um, uh, Jeremy Brodeur. Jeremy Brodeur is a goalie? No. Yes. Uh, weird, right? I know. And that isn't just a coincidence. He is, in fact, um, uh, in fact, Marty's kid. So, yes. <laughs> He's Uncle Daddy's son. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no i mean honestly i didn't know i I, i've heard of uh jeremy uh uh uh, brochure but i did not know uh if he actually played goal incidentally there was also the interesting news this week that apparently that that, uh john gillies who uh was once once one of the future big um big hopes for u.s uh, goaltending he was uh at that in when in, in his time in the NCAA was actually like in the same it would be mentioned in the same breath as uh, Hellebuck and Gibson. Mm-hmm. Um, star with Providence has not worked out for him. I didn't know I mean, Providence. I mean Providence College. Yep. I did not know that he was now playing for for, for them for Maine. Apparently, it's because he's from Maine, so that's probably why. Um, yes. Until he got called up to Providence, I'm like, oh, neat. <laughs> oh. Okay. Well, yes, as it turns out, the last part of Tim's notes are on John Gillies. So why ah, don't I share those? Please. Uh, okay. He said, this one is really, really fun to talk about. He's a former Flames prospect. He signed a PTO in Maine and after one or two games in Maine came to Providence on loan. Has been excellent. Three and three uh, and oh with a 1.67 GAA. That is not bad. And a .948 save percentage and one shutout. He's still only 27, so who knows what he has ahead of him. Born in Concord, New Hampshire, raised in South Portland, Maine. Went to Providence College. I really hope they find a way to keep him in Providence. So was he there for the championship year? I think he would have been, yeah. Not 100% on that, but I believe so. It seems about right time, about the right timeline. Yeah, I mean, Charlie's a little bit older than him, but that doesn't mean he wasn't a freshman. I could do a quick search. Mm. What years was he there? 12, 13, 13, 14, and 14, 15. Ooh. Oh, okay, yep, he was there. Made a career-high 49 saves in the NCAA championship game to lead Providence to a... 4-3 title game win, the first in program history. Named the Frozen Four's most outstanding sta- uh, player, he also earned the team's most valuable player award at the season-ending banquet. 
Um, and he also got the Mike Richter Award that year. Which is an award that various Bruins prospects, including, of course, Jeremy uh, Swayman and um, uh, oh. Zane McIntyre, have won. That's best goaltender in NCAA. Actually, he didn't win it. He got. He was a nominee. I'm sorry. Oh. That's still Who not bad. Who did he lose it to? I do not know. Uh, let's look up 2015 Mike Richter Award. This is a lot of fun. It's like, um, no. Oh, it was McIntyre. Mm. Oh. <laughs> Thought it would do it then. Yes. Okay. Well, that was fun. Adventures and Googling. I mean, it was an important lesson in who his peers were, which, of course, again, two of them have been like established high-end goaltenders in the NHL for some time now. And the other one um, washed out of the Bruins, bounced around, and is also now just gone. So, super. Yeah, Zane. Zane. You know what? Maybe you should have left your name as Gothberg. Just saying. I mean, like, I'm sure he, I don't know the personal reasons there, but like, how do you give up a name like Gothberg? Because your dad's a dick. I'm just going to say his dad must have been a fucking douchebag to make him want to give up an awesome last name like that. (laughs) Yep. 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 I mean, my dad was kind of a dick, but I kind of like my last name. (laughs) He wasn't that much of a dick. Um, But anyway... Yeah, so, okay, so that was interesting to know all that. I'm glad that uh, Gillies is, you know, I'm glad that he's having a good year and he's having a good time right now. I hope it continues. I feel like I love it when players um, overcome difficulties and then they become the player that they should be. Uh, That is a wonderful thing. And I just, um, I feel like everybody's curve is a little bit different developmentally. So, and for him to stick through it, that's that's a good thing. So, Mazel tov. And you know, playing in front of home and in front of the place where, and in the city where he had the mo- his most his greatest success too, are probably factors here. Oh yeah! Oh my God, it must be so fun to play in Providence again. Like he knows everything. And again, if he grew up in Portland, like playing for for for, for the Mariners has to be great too. To be mm-hmm. perfectly honest, even if it is just ECHL. <laughs> yeah, it's like okay, you know what? This is my life. It's not so bad. I know both places very well. <laughs> People I- still are still paying me to play hockey, which I feel like you know, regardless of the outcome, is you should feel pretty fucking great. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Go get your late night snacks at Haven Brothers. There you go. Um, okay, yeah, so that's what I had for, for Tim. So thank you, Tim, for giving us your notes. I hope that uh, you get that rest that you need and you'll be back and and uh, better than ever in a couple of weeks. Now, Jeff, why don't you tell us about the schedule and how difficult it's going to be for us to have anybody vote on anything. <laughs> so um, because like apparently still the Bruins don't play any games because the schedule makers decided that Bruin fa- Bruins fans can go and fuck themselves in uh, in, in March and April. Mm, I was going to say like, ooh, there could be baby making now and then not so much in March and April. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so of course this two weeks of my block of games starts today. I would be a, uh, November 14th, tonight, 7 p.m. against Montreal. Woohoo! Obviously, this is one of the games we'll be talking about in two weeks. 
you'll be hearing this after this outcome has, after this game has been decided, of course, because that is how podcasts go. But you know what? That's just the fucking way she goes. Then they have the entire five days of this week off because fuck it, why not? Yeah, let let's. This is my fuck this face. Let's do that. Yeah, that sounds great. Please, please. And so, so after five unnecessary days off, they lead off in on on this coming Saturday, the twentieth, seven p.m. Eastern time, in Philadelphia. So it's a gritty game. Woo-hoo. Um, followed on the second night of a back-to-back, seven p.m. Eastern time, in Boston against Calgary. Ooh. And then uh, Wednesday the 24th, so uh, day before Thanksgiving, uh, 7 p.m. Eastern in Buffalo. Uh-huh. Okay. And then the Black Friday game, 1 p.m. Eastern time against the Rangers, as is tradition, since it, since the Rangers replaced the Wings. It had been the Wings for a while there for those. I don't know why that changed, but... Um, Boston, okay New it. York. Boston, New York. Yeah. That's what it is. I mean, it's because it's like... There's such a rivalry in so many sports, so why not make it a hockey? I mean, but, like, this one feels like when they, the, the hockey just keeps trying to make it a thing, and it's not. And it, both are original six teams, for whatever that means. Uh, again, I get the, why the league keeps trying to make it a thing, but it's not. It could be worse. <laughs> you could be saying, like, oh, we're going to have the Minnesota Wild play against the Boston Bruins. No, nobody wants to fucking see that. I mean, I there's a reason NBC no longer has hockey. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. And, yeah, that's that, those are the games under this um, uh, 14-day stretch. There's also a game on Sunday the 28th against Vancouver, 7 p.m. Eastern time. But that technically falls under the next podcast preview. Right. So I would guess that, uh, you know, aside from the fact that Jeff won't be able to see the, the – uh, rangers game there really isn't a lot of pickings here uh, yeah so so one of the two is spoken for today obviously with montreal and then of course we all know or if you recall listeners that uh philadelphia and buffalo are on our black list um yep no 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 certainly not buffalo we're not talking about that shit no. buffalo no buffalo no <laughs> buffalo fuck no <laughs> <laughs> buffalo buffalo no yes <laughs> So it's between Calgary, which, okay, they're playing well. Interesting enough, you know. It'll be a Luch homecoming game, which always makes things, you know, interesting, even though, like, whatever. And, uh, and then Rangers, but, like, again, that's it's 1 p.m. on a working day for me because, you know, Canada and stuff. So I can't watch that game, at least not when it's actually running. So, um, well. So no voting this week, but thank you, everybody, who's voted so far. It's been fun. Um, and I apologize if you were inclined to vote against Calgary. I understand, but it's what it is. <laughs> you know what? When the Bruins start playing games, like totally playing games, like in a week, you know, like three games a week, it's going to get really exciting. But for right now, when they're not doing that, which is just really aggravating, because I think that's compounding the team problems. They're not playing enough. Oh, they're getting no fucking rhythm. Right. You can't you can't play um, like a game or two every five days and really expect to. I mean, if you're in the AHL, that's what you do. But if you are in the NHL, this is not a rhythm that's that's made. You know, this is just awful. 
So you know what? It maybe means that in March and April, they're going to be really awesome or really awful. We'll find out. I was going to say, hey, if they get to March and continue being awful, it'll be really fucking ugly with that many, with that many games. Then we're going to be just voting for games that no one wants to watch. We'll just be like, you don't want to watch this game. Tell us what games you don't want to watch. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, so I guess by default, it's Calgary. I don't know. Yeah, that's yeah. basically where it is. You know, it's like this whole time around Thanksgiving is very confusing. So, I mean, like on the plus side, like there's no way Calgary's making the cut next time they play them because that's probably at like 11 o'clock in the morning. It's probably like 10 o'clock at night start time for me. So, like, if we're going to watch a Calgary game, I guess it's this one because it's the home game. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yep. Uh, which is fine. I mean, I'm perfectly willing to go, oh, yeah, we don't need to watch any West Coast games ever. I mean, the Seattle oh, yeah, game. Gonna... Oh, I'll be in Seattle for the Seattle oh. one. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited about that one. But it like, doesn't yeah, feel no, But you know, the California trip, unless one of them ends up being a, mat- uh, a Saturday matinee, I just write them off in advance. Because even if it's a Saturday game, it starts at 11 o'clock at fucking night. <laughs> no. You know what? You get to a certain age where, like, sleep is precious. So you'd rather like I'll, I'll, I'll make exceptions for like ridiculous start times like that, like during the Olympics, perhaps, but like, but not for a regular season game against Anaheim. You know what's really interesting? I'm not sure I would stay up too late for an Olympic hockey game, but I certainly have gotten up at seven o'clock in the morning to watch one. And and before you say, well, seven o'clock in the morning is not that much of a sacrifice. I'm a night owl. <laughs> I'm trying Indeed. to reform my ways, but you know, so no, I, you know what? It's fine. Everything's fine. I do want to get into a conversation about men behaving badly, but we've already been at this for like two plus hours. If you feel like talking about that at some point, we'll do that again. Not, not right now, but you know, not right now. Yeah. Because there's a lot of shit that's coming out, and I think it would make a fantastic thing. But you know what? It's fine. Okay. So now that you've told us what the schedule is, I think it's time to wrap it up. Listeners, you've been listening to Barely on Topic, a podcast by Boston Bruins fans for Boston Bruins fans. You can um, uh, hear us wherever your favorite podcasts are found because we are everywhere. Our next podcast is just totally going to be an ASMR. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, you, of course, can talk to us on Facebook. We're at Barely on Topic Podcast. On uh, Twitter, we're at Barely on Topic. And, of course, our individual Twitter accounts, I am at Dr. Hand Grenade. Tim is at, uh, at Tim A. Richardson? And I think Nick is just at Nick Baggio. Two yes. of them keep it simple. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, there's me, who uh, has I, I I am I have not had nearly enough water again today. Dot com. Also known as that VA from RI. All right. Well, do you want to bark? Do you want to bark? Duca, how about you say it? You go bark. No, he's not going to bark. Nope, nope Tuka's not helping either. No, no, our our animal.